Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Um, in the 2020 uh, George Floyd uprising, you know, uh, in Minneapolis, there were nurses, union nurses, who walked out the door um, to support, uh, you know, people who were uh, basically uh, having an insurrection against, like, you know, police violence in yep. in Minneapolis. Uh, when the when the 2020 COVID pandemic hit off, 2020 was the year of everything going off. Yeah. <laughs> Nurse, nurses were going out and confronting uh, union nurses were going out and confronting anti-mask protesters. Like I was literally getting screamed at by like some Looney Tunes doctor holding a banner that said nurses are dying. Go home with like 20 other union nurses. And we were the only people out there who are like together who are, uh, you know, immediately impacted by this stuff. And, um, and I think it made a difference. Like, I think it's important. And so I think that, um, and there's an idea called social unionism. So if you get to the point where you're building a union and you're making progress and you get to that point where you have a union, always be advocating for, to the extent that you can, that your union is engaged in the kind of um, like 
connecting with your community around your workplace, mm -hmm. figuring out the things that are impacting people's lives outside of unions. Because I think that's another thing that um, for a long time, unions just ignored or let atrophy because they didn't think it was their problem anymore was, you know, mutual aid helped build the labor movement. Yeah. You know, workers would get, would literally like in West Virginia and Meituan, uh, they had uh, company police throwing people out of their apartments um, who were on, on strike. And the, there were, you know, all of a sudden 2000 of your fellow workers showing up and throwing the police out of town and putting people's, uh, you know, belongings back in their house or, you know, and I believe we're getting back to that point where, you know, teachers went on strike in West Virginia and the union and the teachers did everything they could to support their students while they were mm -hmm. out. Because like, I think there's this idea that a lot of union workers at this point are, you know, everyone is like, you know, the American workforce is so desperate. And so, and they've been, just been pushed around so much that, you know, there was this idea for a time, like in Wisconsin, what was that? 2014 or what was the Scott Walker, Wisconsin uprising? 2011, wasn't it? I think it was like yeah. right around Occupy. It was around there. And like, there was this idea that's like, oh, you're a nurse. Oh, you're a teacher. Like, you should just be happy that your job has yeah. some kind of meaning to it. Right. And it was a lot of like weird discourse around in the media and about like, how dare these people mm -hmm. think that they deserve anything. And the thing is, is that how can you, like, as a nurse, how can I take care of my patients safely when I'm constantly having, um, like, more and more work put on me, right? And that, uh, that immediately affects the people that I'm taking care of. So then when, when we went on strike in 2019, it was around our safe staffing. Um, and if I've seen management make decisions about staffing that kill people. And I've seen management make decisions that lead to my coworkers getting injured. Um, I management made decisions that led to me getting uh, COVID and mm -hmm. that messed me up for a year. Yeah. And uh, so when people in these kind of care worker roles, which I think has become a more prominent part of the U S economy yeah. um, as people are getting older and they need more like care work, home care workers, nursing home workers, uh, hospital workers, um, Parents don't can't rely on family the way they used to to help take care of kids. School has become like this really important like uh, institution for you know working class survival. Um, that you can't do those jobs as a worker if you don't have the resources. So like our our children were at the Chicago public schools, and they're the you know the Ch Chicago Teachers Union, which was taken over by the rank and file. Um, I think in 2005 or six by, you know, a group of black women uh, led by Karen Lewis. And they set up a group called uh, like a, a rank and file caucus called the uh, caucus of uh, rank and file educators or radical educators core I might be messing it up, but it's called core. They went out on strike in 2015 and as a, you know, as this, this was before my kids were old enough to be in those schools, I was out there still taking them coffee and donuts, right? Because yeah. I knew that they were in there because sh things sucked. By the time my kids were old enough in 20, 
19 for it to be a big thing in the teachers when I was striking Chicago, it had gotten so it's so bad that Chicago teachers are like Chicago public schools have the the lowest number of staff to students of any school system in Illinois. It's not even like half, right? And um, and it's funny because the state had been constantly trying to erode the power of the union. They're making Chicago teachers like pay their for their own retirement, basically, in a way that no other like mm. workers have to. Um, they were making it so that Chicago teachers could only go on strike if over 75% of, uh, of the teachers voted to go on strike. Um, so when, so what that does is there's kind of like a, a little bit of a flip where, oh, we have to make 75% of, you know, people agree to go on strike. Well, let's organize so much that we get 90, over 90% of people to agree to go on strike. And then how powerful is our strike, our, our strikes going to be? We're literally like uh, one of the things I do as a steward is I connect with all the different unions in at the University of Chicago yeah. where I work through a labor council. We were going as you know university workers to all the picket lines of the public schools around our neighborhood, and we we're bringing out coffee, bringing out donuts, talking to people. Hey, I'm a nurse. We were on strike like six or like two or three months ago. What do you all need? Connecting with people, and then and then like. At one point when the teachers were like, we're not getting what we want. And this is Lori Lightfoot is uh, trash. Uh, our mayor. <laughs> uh, we helped organize this mass march where multiple marches of teachers and school workers and uh, we're all out in the streets dodging cop cars until we had this big convergence. And it was really beautiful. Like we had like multiple people with like multiple banners and different columns, each one saying we will win going through the streets of our neighborhood um, and like messing up like the uh, commercial traffic area <laughs> in, uh, in our very bougie neighborhood. Um, but that was happening all over the city. And it's just like, when you see that happen, it's because we're literally and the support of the community for those strikes was so overwhelming because people knew that it's like, these people aren't, just, I mean, like, first off, it's a hard job there's no reason why anyone doing that job shouldn't have like a, a materially comfortable life yeah, because of how stressful yeah. it is and how much work they do. Awful. Um, and I, I, I really like, I really need to emphasize this enough is people, there's like this whole thing is like, Oh, teachers don't work over the summer. Like, Oh, but no, no. Like, like their job sucks. They have to, they have to, have to deal with these kids all day. And then the other thing is like the, you know, the part of it that you don't see is they have to do all the lesson plans. They have to grade all the stuff. They have to do all the stuff. Like after the school day ends, they have to do all this. Yep. Honestly, all the time, this job is awful. It is extremely hard. And like, they don't, that. Yeah. The conditions are extremely bad. Given I'll, what I'll never <laughs> forget when I, I'll never forget when I ran into my seventh grade science teacher on the summer, uh, she was waiting tables at a local restaurant. Yeah. You know, I mean, and so I think that there's this assumption that like uh, that, especially care workers get some sort of you can't you know, you can't cash in fulfillment, right, or prestige or whatever that doesn't pay the rent. Uh, that doesn't put, you know, groceries on your table, um, that sort of thing. And so, you know, I think we're beginning to see this thing resurgence and it started with teachers and yep. I know for and teachers and nurses have been out fighting like hell for the past like five years. Yeah. And it's 
beginning to kind of like spark other kinds of organizing outside of uh, outside of uh, the care work areas. And a lot of this stuff was, it's funny how it was kind of like uh, predicted by Occupy and like Revolt of the Caring Classes. Someone who wrote a really cool book that just came out, David Graeber, who was talking about like, why is it that we are seeing all these people who are out in the streets, like during Occupy, who are like social workers and nurses and teachers and all this stuff. They're there's something going on here. And I think that, so you'll see places where organizing conditions are easier because the pressure on especially care workers right now is immense in a way that it isn't as immense other places, Mm -hmm. but look at for those, like when you're thinking about unions and whether to do build a union at your workplace or do some sort of collective organizing in your workplace, do you have the dynamics where you guys are can the boss shut down your uh, your your workplace and move it like ten miles without completely destroying their like their business, right? And so, you know, we've seen strikes happen in grocery stores um, in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, there was a really like uh, pretty well publicized grocery worker strike. And apparently there was like internal documents got released to like shareholders about how that was like one of the most, like it was like for a month in the winter or three weeks. And they said they lost like 75% of customers refused to cross the picket line. Hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, and I think we're thinking it's like getting to the point where you're can go on strike is a lot. It's a process and it takes a lot of work. And I think that people underestimate what that looks like. Yeah. Hence we see (laughs) hashtag general strike things all the time um but like when you get there i think that we're at a point now where people have a lot more sympathy for workers and workers have become more visible in a way Mm -hmm. that they weren't before like the essential workers over the past year and a half have been the only workers that sometimes people will see right yeah so you'll see things also like you have you know amazonians united which is a union that's organizing, but they're trying to organize something called a solidarity union. So they're not, you know, at least the ones here in Chicago, and I think some of them in New York, and this may be changing, things are always shifting around, but for a long, for a while through like the pandemic, they were organizing on a, like in contrast to the Bessemer uh, Amazon campaign. Sorry, there was a, a business union tried to organize a, uh, a union in Alabama, in Bessemer, Alabama, at an Amazon warehouse. And there was a lot of like media attention to that. Democratic politicians were paying attention to it. You know, Joe Biden said, I support the right of workers to choose to have the choice to have a union. Yeah. Some really milquetoast bullshit. Yeah. And a lot of celebrities showing up. And what wasn't happening was you weren't seeing a lot of evidence that the workers themselves were very excited about the, the union. And it turned out that that campaign failed. Um, whereas workers at Amazonians United up here, like in Chicago, and granted, it's a very different organizing environment in Illinois than it is in Alabama. Um, they haven't been focusing on getting contract. They've been focusing on getting work changes. Like they're like, we want to have water. Like we need mm-hmm. water breaks. And so they would, they have these stand up meetings at the beginning of every shift. And they had coordinated where you have, you know, 30 of your coworkers all say, we're not starting until we get water. And then management panics because they're not used to that kind of demand. They're used to 
we're going to have a campaign, then we can, you know, mess with the votes and that sort of thing and make people afraid. Collective action um, overcomes fear, right? Yeah. So when you have collective action, even through a regular, like a more regular conventional union campaign, those collective actions are what lead to successful unions. So like, um, so, you know, they'd say we aren't starting the shift until we get water. And then all of a sudden a manager disappears and then comes back with pallets full of water. Right. And all of a sudden people are like, I'm going to have a drink of water before I start like all together. And then they yep. go off and do their thing. And it's like, you know, things like that build the power of the union to the point where they shut down that warehouse but then Amazonians United popped up in the three new warehouses that they yep. set up in Chicago. So it's like when you build that kind of collective power and people yeah. feel like this is how you get things, then it's hard to repress, right? It's one thing where you're like, oh, we lost an election. Why did we even bother? It's another thing where like, no, we won like all this, like this, that, and the other thing. Like we got, you know, like our regular schedules fixed. We got like water on our shifts. We got this, you know that's what gets people into the mindset that they can change things. And I think this is the thing that a lot of people don't get It's it's like the difficult part isn't getting people to agree that things are fucked up at your workplace. Mm-hmm. Most people understand that things are fucked up at their workplace. The difficult part isn't saying that like, well, this is a solution, right? The difficult part is getting people to understand that collective action is the only way to solve the problems, Right. Even within unionized workplaces, getting your coworkers to understand that if we don't do this as a collective, we will fail. And so like when there was a, like the first successful private uh, hospital union drive in North Carolina popped off in early 2020, um, throughout that campaign, there were constantly like demonstrations of collective power we're going to do a vigil. How many people are going to show up to the vigil? We're going to all walk around with stickers saying like safe staffing, saves lives, or like, you know, mm-hmm. um, care patients over profits, that sort of stuff. And building that kind of collective, uh, power together is what gets you, um, is what gets you a successful, like that's what builds a union. Fundamentally union is, um, there's the legal thing. And then there's the real thing. And the real thing is only as powerful as people are willing to, fight for and build that kind of collective power together when nurses were on strike. And I talk a lot about nurses because I know a lot about nurses, but like, you know, or like, you know, in, um, in Iowa, when the uh, John Deere strike happened, people were out on those picket lines and people were ready to get hit by cars to like yep. stop scabs from coming like crossing the picket line. And if you're not willing to do that kind of stuff, and I'm not saying that you need to put your body on the line for things, but you do need to be willing to draw outside the lines. Right. There's the law and then there's what you can get people to do. And you will be surprised when people start moving, they move fast and they get really riled up. Yeah. Like this, fuck this. This is what we're going to do. And sometimes unions try and like bottle that energy up. Um, or, you know, if you're in a good union, you use that energy to fix things. So I think that's kind of where I land on all this stuff. It's like, be aware of like the pitfalls of what, organizing at work means you, everyone has a right to organize at work everywhere in this country. If you get fired for like, uh, for organizing, you can fight that, that sort of thing. Yeah, it is. It's it's federally protected. Like it's, it, this is, this is a federal government thing. Like, you know, this is, this is, this is what we got in exchange for everything else is like, like this is, 
you know like this is this is what we got in exchange for putting our guns down is that like yeah the 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 actual feds will be like no you can't do this and right. yeah i mean and sometimes yeah, that it, doesn't selectively that's kind of like but, cold consolation you know. yeah and it doesn't yeah, always work but, but and i guess this is the other thing is there are people who are like this is how we're gonna you know we're gonna when socialism is everyone's in a union and i guess like my take on it is is this is how we build all the networks and get the skills and all the necessary things to be prepared to do bigger stuff down the road mm-hmm. so when we when workers are talking to each other across like you know at when the chicago when chicago teachers went on strike they didn't just go on strike as the teachers. They also talked to the, they lined up their strike to go out as the same as education, like the school workers who are in mm-hmm. SEIU. And they went out at the same time um, in order to incru- improve the power of the strike because the more workers who are out, yeah. the less a- yeah. able the bosses are to like, un- like to undermine the boss, either with people scabbing on each other or whatever. And I think it's just like, and like, that's the point of our, labor council is like when like the grad workers at university of chicago go on strike we got teachers out or we got uh well there were teachers from ctu out on those picket lines there were nurses from nnu on those picket lines and we were doing everything we could to communicate to each other because like in my work it doesn't matter that i'm a nurse and you're a secretary we have the same boss we have the same problems a lot of the times and uh so i think people People want to do the thing, which is to all have the glorious general strike that like overthrows capitalism or whatever, or fixes all the problems at your work. But, you know, starting everyone forgets all the necessary intermediate steps to get to that point. And sometimes it means just get the union in in the door in the first place, because like at a campaign I was a part of here in Chicago, where my University of Chicago bought a non-union hospital that was out in the community, just getting in there, they were able to expose like basically an entire hospital wide scheme of like race, uh, racist, like Jesus. practices around raises and compensation. Mm-hmm. And that is like that first step. And then fixing that, right. Cause you don't want to have like white nurses making 20% more than black nurses and black yeah, nurses making 20% more than like, uh, than immigrant nurses like Filipino or like Mexican nurses mm-hmm. get everyone on the same page so yep. that you're fighting together instead of fighting each other. And you know, those are those first steps that you take. And then, and then you start reaching out to people in other, uh, other workplaces or other work areas and build that kind of militancy across unions so that you can support each other. So like, maybe a secondary strike is illegal right now, but that doesn't mean that you don't have, you know, teamsters who won't cross a picket line, right? You know, yeah. how do you go out and make it, or you can build that solidarity so that like in Buffalo, when the, um, the CWA nurses went on strike and they won pretty impressive things around staffing ratios. They literally had other unions going out and picketing board members of their hospitals, <laughs> businesses Hell yeah! and like getting really, really like aggressive with that sort of stuff. Yep. So I think that, I think that people need to just big takeaway is, is the biggest barrier to any of this stuff is just getting people to believe that collective action is possible and then can get you wins and then making sure that you take your time and be patient and understand that there's going to be losses but in the grand scheme of things don't don't 
don't mistake what looks like a setback when it's actually a victory for like a victory, mm. like for a, a, a real, like a defeat and, um, and talk with people. Like that's what they hate. The, like bosses hate it when we're talking with each other and talk to people you're not comfortable with. That's the, that's the other thing is that people are very nervous to talk to people. Like it's always funny when you run into people who are rah, rah, like unions, rah, rah, like socialism, yada, yada, yada. And they don't talk to their coworkers. Right. And your coworkers are the people you're going to be around for maybe some years. And yep. that's where you spend a huge chunk of your time. And like, but you don't know what's going on. And you're like, oh, they're all hostile. They don't want to know any, they don't want to do anything. Funny thing is, is that oftentimes the most people who seem very skeptical and anti-union can be flipped. And sometimes those people become the best, like the most dedicated people to the union. It also means that you're going to talk to people you disagree with. Like, yeah, there was a Trump dude who was on like the bargaining committee for like our last strike he fucking loved that thing he was like we're going on strike <laughs> but you know it's also a union full of black women and he shut the fuck up when it, you know he wasn't like you know being racist and shit but you know you're gonna be with those people and part of the thing is is that it's about how we're all moving together rather than making sure everyone is on the same page for every single thing because the biggest thing is the collective action yeah and building that collective power and, and hopefully I, I the collective power is hopefully the collective power outweighs it's if you stand firm on principles like anti-racism yeah, yeah. and fighting against discrimination and uh, misogyny, that sort of thing, it actually builds the power of the union. Yep. I think that's the other thing is that people are like, Oh, I don't, you know, like, you know, working class people are all racist or reactionary or whatever. So I'm going to do that. And that's how I'm going to get, that's my in. And it's like, I think there are a lot of people who like, they really don't like, you know, they don't like being around loud racist assholes or, people who you know say slurs like especially if it like i mean you can make the arguments like this is that's their way of dividing us our goal is to be together and historically speaking the one thing that's done the most to fight working class racism is union organizing yep so and i think also like you know in in terms of like building something that's actually you know durable and powerful uh, on top of sort of just the division, I mean, you know, even when it comes to stuff like transphobia, right? It's like, you know, if 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 you can convince people to fight, like first, like fight for the person next to them, right? You know, I mean, this this was the thing that people like said a lot during the, uh, during the 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 Bernie campaign. But it was like, you know, if if people like, yeah, like if if you can get someone to uh, fight, like fight for the person next to you in a concrete way in the workplace in a way that's actually real for something that doesn't directly affect them. You, the, you know, a, a, it's just like, like the, the, the amount of power that you've built there is incredible. And then B also. Okay. I forgot where I was going with that. Daniel, please cut that. Part. Hold on. Hold on. I can kind of build off. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Let no me worries. just say this. My personal experience is that queer women run the labor movement. Yep. And that like, and that if you think that people who have been bullied from the day they like stepped yeah. into like a, uh, into a kindergarten, aren't going to be the, the people who are most equipped to fight bullshit, bullying from a boss or injustice or bullshit. You're fucking like, like, just get the fuck out because you haven't been in a union and you don't know what, you know I mean? You like the, like people unions are at their best when they incorporate, you know, 
all like when they are fighting for everybody because what mm-hmm. a boss can get away with with the weakest person is what they'll do to all of us if they get the chance yeah and so i think that there's this idea that's like oh we're going to set it we're not going to we're going to ignore this or that sort of thing and it's like you know that's when people like you know people will turn away from unions if they feel like they're not being listened to or taken seriously yeah. you don't know what yeah. people's like identities are just because you see how they look and so I think that it's real important for us to understand that if we're going to fight these fights, we need to do so with the understanding that it's everybody yep, and that the working class is a giant multiracial conglomeration of every identity in this country. Um, and that the more marginal your identity is, the more useful having a union is to like solving your problems. Like I said, like racist, uh, racist compensation practices, there was no way that was going to get fixed. Like it wasn't even uncovered. People didn't understand that it was happening until like the union got in. Doesn't mean there aren't other ways to fix things, but it's one of the, one of the most powerful ways to fix things. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You're probably careful with your personal information, but what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed, or your money back. With plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 40%. Terms apply. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. think that people just like don't understand because they don't have experience because they don't have an experience they end up with they end up with misconceptions about what they're going to get into and then they get disappointed and I think the reality I mean I think that the reality is not as bad as sometimes it seems but also you got to go into all this shit with open eyes yeah and I think that there's and that's the other thing one of the fun things Maybe this will make it in the podcast. I don't know. But um, one of the fun things is always like hanging out with like if you like every workplace has like its lefties just about and like hanging out with the lefties who just can't get their brains wrapped around (laughs) the shit that you need to have a union. I think that there's like this idea that's like, oh, I'm going to talk to my friend. They're like they're like they say they're a communist. And then that all those people do (laughs) not always, but. They're, the, they're sitting there like talking a bunch of shit about like, ugh, the union, they're a bunch of sellouts, this or that. And it's like, literally, it's the only thing you're going to do to get your like, to fix the problem. And you're just like, we're just trying to get this problem fixed. Can we just set aside what you think needs to happen? Like, that you guys talked about at your like Spartacus League meeting or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, this isn't a real strike. Like, we're not going out until like for like, you know, three months. And it's just like, you know, it's like the sort of thing where, um, sometimes or oftentimes and i think it's because a lot of people kind of pick up their politics almost like an aesthetic as opposed to Mm -hmm. like a thing that like is about like fixing the problems in their lives and and sometimes even i'm like you know like this is a problem that i face is like like shit is real like for a lot of people and you can sit there and talk about this or that and like you're you know you think that things you know, you've got this perfect ideal vision of what things should be. And then you've got this kind of imperfect thing in front of you that is, even though it's imperfect, it's basically what you've got. And so it's like, you've got to kind of, you've got to work with what you have and fix it up and make it the best that you think it can be. Um, But also understand because it's an organization full of people that it's not going to be perfect every time. And yeah, maybe your union is going to do some liberal shit, you know, and you're going to, and that's going to annoy you, but you know, like, um, those people are still going to show up on the picket line. If you're like, if you're organized and you're good and like, you know, that's, it's not the end of the world that your union isn't perfect. Um, but you've got to do everything you can to do your best to make it better because if yeah. you don't, then, then liberals will do whatever they're going to do or conservatives will do whatever they're going to do. And then they'll like fritter away this thing. Like you can destroy a union if you aren't engaged like a union can be destroyed by people who think that you know they're just like i just want to get my raise and like go home and like you know if people's main concern is like their health care or like you know that hour 
of prep time before they start their shift or whatever, you know, start their school day or whatever. Um, you know, a union can like dissolve out from underneath you. And people are like, why is no one showing up to this thing? It's because you didn't talk to people and find, find out what it is. I think that's the other thing. It's like, listen, like there's this idea that you're going to get up and give a big speech and get everyone really excited about your, about like being in a union. But the main thing is listening to people Yeah, and listening to people who are critics, you know, your coworkers who have complaints aren't like people that you should ignore. Those are people you need to listen to because those are people who they've got, I mean, everyone's got legitimate problems with how, you know, work is happening. And like, just because someone's like, you know, union is like, you know, trash, like then find, find out why they think it's trash and then try it and be like, I want to try and fix that. What can we do to fix it together? That sort of thing. I, I, I remember like, when, when I was working, so I worked at uh, like maintenance at a, a county facility uh, for a while. And, you know, so I, I was like a, like, I was like a, I was like a, a summer hire basically. And so we, we weren't in the union, but like everyone we were working for was in the union and they all like, you know, these are old ex-construction worker guys. And, you know, like they're in the union, but like, I remember that we share these conversations that were like, okay, so we have a union meeting this week. Does like, do you want to be the person who tries to talk about raising wages? And it was like, everyone was just like, no. And, you know, people, you know, like these guys are like very right wing and they were just sort of like pissed off all the time. But it was interesting because the thing they were pissed off all the time about was that like, you know, their union didn't do anything. Like, the union, like they, 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 like they, they were, they were basically constantly annoyed that like the union didn't, like the, 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 the union wasn't fighting for pay raises. The union wasn't sort of fighting, and, and I, I think that was, you know, an example of how this stuff sort of just fails if, if people aren't, like, if people don't feel like they can actually do something, like in, right. even I mean, the union itself. I mean, and they call it service unionism. There's this idea that like, um, or like a like that a business union's job is to kind of serve you and you kind of like, uh, they do all the work. Like one of the complaints that some people who are not big fans of our union, our hospital is that like, Oh, well other, other unions have lawyers negotiate the contract for you. And when we negotiate, we have a room full of nurses who are doing the, uh, who are doing the negotiations. Mm. And the goal is to have, it be as transparent as possible. And like the idea that you're going to hand over negotiations to a lawyer and somehow get a better deal than, yeah. um, than a room full of, uh, of the actual workers. And it's funny because we have our bargaining team and then like, we'll periodically do something called open bargaining because it's a thing that bosses hate. It's like, they want to make a deal like with a door shut. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, but there's no reason why a union has to do that. Like you can invite whoever you want to your bargaining. You can invite community members to your bargaining. If you feel like you're uh, man, it could be because management behind closed doors will say all kinds of things. And they'll, you know, they'll, they'll trash talk everyone involved and they'll, you know, and they will make absurd demands about, you know, it's like, Oh, you're all going to take a pay cut, you know, on this contract, that sort of thing. And they hate it. They absolutely hate it when like uh, workers actually show up to these things. Yep. And so um, I think that uh, understanding that, like, I think there's this idea that like some people are big on like, we have to be kind of like secretive to like get the best like deal. And like, we shouldn't be like, we shouldn't be transparent with everyone about what's going on because that's how like, because then they'll figure out some way to counter us. But 
in my experience, my understanding is that the more transparent your union is, the more involved people get and the more able people are, are the more willing people are to put their time and energy into it. Because that's what it comes down to is like people have to like everyone's working and busy and their life's life is hard and it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And so like, do you have time to like dedicate to show up to like talk to like if you why would you go to a union meeting if when you raise the concern of like we want higher wages and like the union like staffer doesn't care if you get higher wages because they're like, well, we're getting our union dues and like, what do, what the fuck do we care? Right. That's like a huge problem. And the part of the thing is that those problems don't get solved if they, if they exist, because they, that definitely exists in some, in a lot of unions, more unions than, uh, than not. Um, if the workers don't get organized together, like, right. We just saw a, an election within the Teamsters international where, uh, uh, the Hoffa, uh, I don't, is it Jimmy Hoffa Jr. One of the Hoffa kids was like president of the union and was just like not doing a great job. <laughs> and, um, and like there was a rank and file like push to get that guy, uh, unelected, you know, and put it replaced with a rank and file worker who wants to put actual time and resources into organizing, you know, like there's nothing sadder than a fa- than like watching a union campaign fail because the union clearly is phoning it in. Like that's happened. I've seen it happen, not inside my union, but in other unions. And, uh, and I mean, like at my workplace, there's several unions and I've seen, I've seen a failed campaign and it's like obvious, like there's uh, you know, I'm not, I don't co-sign everything that someone like Jane McCavillary that's how you share McCavillary has to say she wrote like no shortcuts um i don't sign off on everything she has to say but she has some really insightful things it's like if you're not organizing to win like you'll fail and like you have to take this so seriously and that's where like i'll say that like if you've got a choice between i'm going to put time into a political political campaign versus a union campaign you are going to get way more bang for your buck you're going to get so much more experience you're going to get like a durable organization that's going to be around for years if you put that time into a union campaign because like imagine uh winning an election right um except the politician you're running against is the incumbent and they can um basically drag every one of their constituents into like a meeting and tell them how awful you are all the time and lie and say whatever they want and then they can you know do all kinds of tricks to like basically dismantle your campaign so I guess like the thing that I would say is that like if you if you do it the right way and you actually win one of those campaigns, you're going to come out w- way ahead in terms of understanding like you have to talk to people, you have to be super organized, you have to know what people's issues are in their different bargaining units. Um, you have to find people like part of like I've, it's successful campaigns I've been part of literally going on a search to go find the, like the the people that need to be like signing yeah. cards and stuff. Yeah. And you just have to be a very good listener and ready to talk and listen and hear what people have to say. Um, and then turn that um, information into knowledge, uh, knowledge and power. Um, and um, I think that uh, if you pull it off, you have done something substantially harder than say like winning a school board election or something like that. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it really is. It's like taking 
like those kind of skills that you would use to like win some sort of small municipal election. And it's like exponentially more hard because the rules are just so tilted against you winning. So it, it, if you are serious about it, if you're serious about changing the world, if you can't like someone, oh yeah, I think Murray Bookchin once said that if you can't run for a dog catcher, you probably shouldn't be talking about revolution, you know, but I think that probably more you know, more appropriate would be like, if you can't win a union election, you probably shouldn't be talking about revolution because even if you want to do all the things you need to have the ability, the skills, the ability to mediate conflict, getting everyone on board to do the collective action that like you would need to do to successfully kind of like carry out, like, you know, it's one thing to have the, the grand insurrection. It's the other thing to carry it forward and keep carrying it to the point where you're over the line completely changed the world right yeah so and i think that and so i just think that like um and i think that similar things go with like you know tenant organizing community organizing there's various types of organizing that use those similar skills that you get in like a union campaign um and it's just a very different type of um politics and organization and skills that you would get from you know showing up for your local justice dem and, you know, yeah. like knocking on the doors of strangers who you'll never, you may never speak to again. You know, when you're talking with your coworkers, those are your coworkers. They're going to be there until you're, you know, you retire or you're fired. Yep. <laughs> or you quit. So anyway, that's, I guess, that's another good takeaway, I think, from all this. So one, one thing I also wanted to, to make sure to get to is, so I, th- I think there's a lot of people who are listening to this who work in non-union workplaces and want to try to start this and i wanted to know what would be your recommendations for them you know how 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 do you start this process what does this look like and what kinds of conversations uh should you be having with your coworkers? yeah for sure so um i think one of the first things that i think a lot of people a lot of people don't understand is that there's an amount of risk and stuff to organizing and that you're like, first off, like you should be chill and like, not like running around telling everyone you want a union. Cause that's a great way to lose your job. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is, is that you build relationships and find out what's happening. Like, just like, you know, take from your experience and figure out what's like in uh, like, man, it really sucks. Like I got, like I got screwed over on my vacation request or like I, you know, man, our raises were really shitty this year. And I heard like, you know, boss talking about like how much, like, uh, like they made so much money, that sort of thing. Um, so I think that it comes down to, you have to be, it's kind of like a combination of like, like an investigative reporter and like someone who is just really good at like talking to people and just kind of like understanding what's making them tick. and. Understanding also that maybe you're not the person who's going to get everyone on board, mm-hmm. but that finding other people who ever, like, I think the big thing is like, who's like the most respected person on like in your work area, that sort of thing, who like, they know the the unit or they know the work area. They've been there the longest. They have like the most experience. People look up to them. They're the people who train other people, that sort of thing. Those are the people who everyone looks to when it comes down to these sorts of things. And, you know, just, you don't have to be friends with everybody, but like doing it's, I think it's really good to just like, to 
be open to listening to everybody that you work with and finding out what it is that's really going on. Yes. And so I've noticed like in, in a lot of places that I've worked, like the bosses often don't really know what's going on either. Yes. Like they, and I, th- and I think that, that that's something I can give you. A, if, if you understand how the process works and who is doing what and what people like need, that gives you like a big advantage over the bosses who just have no idea what's going on, which I think. Yeah, I think it's yeah. very, it's very normal for bosses to really not know what's happening. And there's always someone who does like, Mm-hmm. Figuring out the people who really know how things work are like those are like the those are the people who um you want to be talking with and figuring out like where they kind of stand on things. And um you know, I think like the first step is like just having good relationships and people trusting you. And you know, you know, if you know, like, I don't think everyone needs to be a superstar worker sort of thing to be a good union organizer, but like they always say, it's like people who have the most problems oftentimes are people that aren't, don't make great organizers because people don't see them as people to follow. But, um, um, but I think that it's important to just like talk with your, to like, just figure out what's going on first. That's your first step, figure out what's going on. What are the things I mean, and you can come around together in, uh, you know, and like, and how do you get people outside of the workplace? So you talk like, how do you, like, do you have like a group chat or signal chat or like a WhatsApp chat or a Facebook group? And where do you just like start kind of like, and, you know, be very careful, be careful about who's involved and just kind of like low key, just like start talking with folks and identifying the people who, um, who are outside of your work area, who know people. Like sometimes it's, you know, you'll talk to people and they're like, I don't want to talk about a union, but you can be like, do you know anyone who care who, who has said anything about unions before? And so talking to people to find out who they know, like, these are all this kind of like crucial first steps to like organizing. And I think the thing is, is that like, there have been times where you'll have a non-union workplace where if the people in a particular area of a, of like a, of like a hospital or like a workplace or whatever, will do some collective thing that gets some sort of result. So I think it's always like, it's like, let's get people to sign off on a petition about like, you know, like if 80% of your coworkers are unhappy with like raises or something like that, like the more people that are involved in those first steps, the more likely it is that it won't, result in retaliation and like you'll end up getting some sort of victory um so i guess like the thing that i would say is just like be be ready for like people to look at greet you with skepticism because like it's it's hard it's a hard thing to do and um always just be finding out what is bothering people and then look at little things that you can do to kind of like flex power, like to like collectively flex your power. And um, it can be as small as like everyone bringing up the same issue at like a work meeting, right? Like if you, and it could be like, Hey, let's talk about this at this work meeting. This is, and if we all say something together, like we're going to be fine. Right. Um, So like starting with those first steps, I think is the first like thing. Like the first thing is know what's going on, build relationships, be a trustworthy person. Like you can't be like the unit gossip or the, 
the work area gossip that like knows that's in everyone's business or stirring up stuff and be successful at this. Um, but if you are, you know, if you're someone that people like trust or look to, or, you know, like a person that people are like, they help solve our problems. Those are the people who, I mean, you're going to be well set to begin to kind of take the steps on that. And then, you know, as you kind of build those kind of like build that organization step-by-step, no, no union um, is going to uh, invest the time in a union campaign. If it's just you and like two other people, like you need, like you need to get a room. They're always say like, well, if you get a room full of people together, I'm willing to talk to them. And that's kind of the thing. And, you know, zoom and stuff has actually made that a little bit easier. Um, which in some ways can be a weakness because you end up with like, it's a lot less commitment to show up to a zoom meeting than it is to, um, to show up at like a, a bar or a place after work. Um, or a church or wherever it's like a good, like, uh, like neutral, safe place that people feel like they can be honest with each other about what's going on. Um, but at the same time, just like, uh, being the more, uh, the, the more people you get on board with the thing, the more likely it is that it'll succeed. You'll attract support from like an actual union that, um, is able to help you if you decide that that's how you want to do it. Um, or if that makes sense in legal context. And so I just like always like start small, figure out the small things, be willing to do like collective action to get little small victories. And that's a great way to get started, I think. And then like really do like sleuthing and research, like figure out how things actually work. Um, That's like, you know, uh, that was the problem with the best market campaign down in, uh, down in Alabama with those Amazon workers is they didn't know how many people worked at that uh facility and then all of a sudden they're like oh yeah we're going to include like an extra thousand people in this vote you know like six weeks out and you know like i don't want to i don't want to take a dump on the people who did that but like if you don't know that there's like another thousand people or you don't have like everyone on board you're not going to succeed so know everything you can as you're going in and do everything you can to find out things or make buddies with the friends or buddies of the people who are going to, you know, know these things and, you know, and then support each other. Like it means showing up when like someone, sometimes what we would do during these campaigns is someone will, will have the contact for someone who's interested. And then your job is to go and find that person where they work and talk with them and then talk with them while they talk with their coworkers or back up them while they're talking to their coworkers. Cause they trust their, their coworkers, trust their coworker, you know, you're a random stranger, you know? And then like, don't be afraid to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. Right. There's like this, there's this pressure, I think to like have all the answers to like whatever people's questions are. And I think that it's like, um, I think that it's like, uh, I think that it's, important to be honest when you don't understand, but then do the work of figuring out the answers for people. Um, and I think people respect that. And, you know, a lot of people who are vocally against these sorts of things up front, it's because they don't know. And if you, you know, you're like, no, we've got a right to do this. Or like, you know, the, the, you know, a management will say things like, our management will say things like, oh, you will, um, you know, the union will get in between our relationship with, uh, you know, with you and us, right? 
And the point is, is that like, well, the union is us. We're the co yeah. we're the people doing yeah. it. Like everyone run, you can't run a, a union if you don't have a bunch of people involved from the workplace. And it's like, and making sure that the people who are um, those people who end up being kind of like spokespersons for everyone else are people that folks trust and that have like a good like grasp of what everyone wants. And yeah. So yeah. And then like, you know, don't get bogged down in the legal shit. Like, you know, collective action really is like your most powerful tool. Um, all the other kind of like the grievances and that sort of stuff, it, it's important and you can't let it go, but it's also like, it's designed to kind of grind people down. So, um, you know, the more collective action you take, like the more likely it is that you're going to be successful and keep people engaged and excited. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at High5Casino.com. High Five Casino. 
yeah, go- going back to what you were saying earlier, this might wind up being last episode, depending on uh, where this breaks down time-wise. But yeah, I think it's also, it's just, this is going to take time and a lot of work. And I think it, it, it's, it's, it's important, A, to understand going in that this is a long and difficult process. It's not going to happen overnight. And B, that it's a lot of work. Like you have to, there's, there's a lot of things that you have to do. There's a lot of sort of logistics. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of like negotiating. There's a lot of sort of, I mean, just, just even, I don't know, before anything gets off the ground, you have to spend enormous amounts of time and effort doing stuff. And that's, 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 I guess just the reality of it. So yeah, there's, there's no, there's, there's no, (laughs) there's, 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 there's no magic bullet. Like there's no sort of. Yeah, there's there's no just like one thing you can do that like magically makes a union appear. It's a bunch of people coming together and like fighting for it for a long time. Yeah, I think that that's like the main thing is like you're it, it's it's a cliche that's like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, sometimes I hate when people say that shit, but it's true. Like you, you really do have like um, you're in it for the long haul, and a lot of times it's like you're you people are ready to do these things when they're like, this is like, I don't want, you know, it's one thing to pop up in a place and be there for like, you know, six months, be like, I need a, we need a union, right? No one, you know, that works at that place, trusts you. They don't know who you are. Yeah. Like they're not going to follow you to do anything or, you know, or take, or, you know, follow your lead. Um, It's the people who are like, I'm going to be here. This is my, this is where I want to be. And, you know, this is a, a, I want to be here for the next few years and think of it as like a long-term investment in the quality of your life and the quality of life at your workplace. Um, because to win, you have to be sticking around, you know? And I think that's where it gets tough with people who are in like precarious types of employment or different types of, and that's where you have to start looking at alternate ways to organize because, Mm -hmm. Maybe you're a precarious worker who does, maybe you drive like uh, for a rideshare service, or maybe you like do delivery or like, you know, um, for an app or whatever, you delivery for an app. And I think the thing is, is like that sort of thing because of how, and you know, these aren't like new forms of work. This is actually really old forms of work that are just like been like rebranded by tech bros who have like yep. decided it's like they're like, they're uh, like, they're great geniuses, like rebranding the kind of like, precarious work that was really like prominent like throughout the 19th century and it's like so then what do you do is you come up with ways to organize people regardless of like oh like i'm you know i work for this like i work for lyft or i work for uber and it kind of switches back and forth like the thing is it's like that's when you start talking with you know ride share drivers across different like apps or whatever and then you come up with a way to work collectively um to to change sorts of things. And sometimes that's, and it's going to be, it's going to be tough, you know? And that's when I kind of look at those, that sort of thing is like, this is where it's a learning experience and maybe I don't get everything I want, but I, you know, it's really important. I mean, it's like building these networks of people who care about like what their working conditions are like, and you can pull things off maybe unexpectedly that you didn't expect were going to be like the thing, you know, like, you may start with something that looks like a union drive and then you end up with something uh, that looks like very different. It could, you know, could go in all sorts of different directions. So, um, 
you know, there and look outside of the US, you know, there are countries where like in um uh, I think that there have been some pretty successful delivery app um organi- organizing in London. Um and you know, I think that to a certain extent, like formal extent US unions have not been very successful in organizing those workers because it doesn't, it's hard to do from the extent business union model. And so it's like, a, it's one of those things where, you know, it used to be, you know, they would have like, you know, the fight would be instead of trying to get like workers to, or uh, like a, a contract at a particular like work site, you'd set up a hiring hall, like the IWW would set up hiring halls um, in like, you know, for lumberjacks and that sort of thing. And those workers are always precarious, right? But they would go try and set it up so that like people would only take jobs out of the hiring hall and that's how they would control their like their work. And I think that more unions need it. And part of this is like, I would, if there's any yeah, union people out there who are in staff and that sort of thing, it's like, we, there needs to be a serious re-examination um, of how we do unions in this country. And I think a lot of people in, inside unions understand that, but no one has quite done it yet in a way that's effective. And I think that we, we really do need to kind of reevaluate that sort of stuff. So just, you know, as someone who's going into like a new sort of organizing campaign, just understand that like, getting the union contract isn't necessarily the end goal. The end goal is to try and get your boss to do things differently so that you're not like miserable at work. And that might look like a contract or it might look like, you know, a, a one day, like, uh, you know, app strike or something like that. You know, you'll, you'll fit, you got to figure out how it's going to work. Like with, you know, in healthcare, the, you know, there's this idea that like, you know, there's the gold standard of the strike where you strike until we win and we're out for like, you know, like two or three months. Well, the problem is, is that there's a industry of scab nurses and healthcare workers where at any point they can bring in people to replace enough of you that a hospital can maintain operations. And unless you're super organized, like they were up in um, Buffalo uh, with CWA, like, and have a big network of people and you're ready to go to like, you know, board, like picket board members houses and that sort of stuff. Um, those long-term strikes can end in defeat where you end up with, uh, you know, you're all replaced with scabs and, and it sucks and it's happened. And then you gotta, I guess you gotta learn from it. You know, like we've, there was a famous strike in, uh, Minnesota with, um, healthcare workers and they went out and they were out for months and months and there were people on, you know, going to the soup kitchen to feed their kids and stuff and they lost. Right. And so my union tends to do one day strikes, but instead of it just being at one hospital, we organize multiple hospitals across the country so that it soaks up all the like scab drives up right, scabs. And it really like the I think ideas like intermittent strikes were actually a really powerful tool back when, you know, back when it was the CIO and it was like, we're going to just stop working until you fix this problem. Um, and that's why they made them illegal. And it takes a lot of work to pull them off. But if you can pull them off, that could be an effective way. And if you're not in a union, maybe getting people down for a one day, you know, like work stoppage at your work, or even, you know, maybe it's like, we're not starting our shift, right? I've been in the room. I, I've been in the room where it's like, no, we're not going out to take the, that assignment until like we get our staff situation set up, like fixed. And, you know, sometimes it's just those collective actions 
are, you know, it's not the end, like there's no end all be all one size fits all solution. Just be ready to kind of like f- explore what it means, get all the resources you can. There's groups like there's still like the industrial workers of the world, which has really good organizing uh, trainings, OT 101, 102. Uh, I'll pitch that as a member of, as a, also a dual carding member of the IWW. Um, but there's also uh, labor notes um, and other groups like a central workers organizing committee, that sorts of things that like give you good, like rundowns on how to do the organizing work. So just be careful. Always be careful. Yeah. Be aware that people are afraid. Bosses use fear um, to scare you guys, to scare everybody. And like the, the, the more people on board with the thing, the less fear. Like it's amazing when you're running up into a strike and you're really firing on all cylinders and like everyone in your like work area is like, we're getting together to take a picture, like get ready to go on strike. And it's like literally, I mean, when we went on strike, when our hospital went on strike, it was the first time where like there was like 1500 nurses all in one place. It's the first time when all of us were in one place ever. And it was this massive, like coming together thing experience. And it's really hard to describe when you, when, cause you know, we're always griping at each other about this or that thing. And it's like, but when you're actually all out there together on the same time, when you pull it off, it's really amazing. Um, it's hard. It's, it's hard to describe. Um, but when you do it, it's like, it's like the purest drug. And yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've heard some people who are union skeptical be like, well, you just experienced like the good shit. And like, what about all the defeat? It's like, well, get the little hits, get the little hits here and there. And you get yourself to the point where you can do the big thing. You know, you, you, the whole thing is like getting people to do the thing is like the, is it's like the, the perennial, uh, you know, <laughs> curse of the left. Can you do it? Or curse of, you know, like the, the, the organizer or activist or, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's just, but you know, if you don't do anything, nothing happens. Yep. <laughs> you can all sit and complain uh, and nothing changes. So, you know, the only way to change is things is take those complaints and turn them into collective action. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's, that, 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 that's, that's a pretty good positive note to end on. Just go do things. Go do the thing now. Yep. Stop tweet. <laughs> stop tweeting. Stop tweeting about it. Go do the thing. Um, yeah, I think that's a, I, I, like, I guess one last thing, cause I talked about social media and talk, you know, I talk smack. I like, I've been off Twitter for some months now and it's, it really cleared my brain, but you know, um, being on finding the social media space where your work, your coworkers are at is really important. And that might mean setting up like a discord or, you know, WhatsApp or a Facebook group, you can set up secret Facebook groups that no one could see. And yeah, like, you know, like Facebook will periodically shut them down. But like our hospital has like a, like a Facebook group with like 2000 nurses and we, wow. and that's where we got really amped up and it was a way for us to be talking with each other and talk each other through um, the stress of setting up, you know, this thing. And then also like, you know, people, workers can organize like like people will do organizing even if like they don't have like that full support so like some coworker or not coworkers but uh, members of my union went on strike at Cook County this year and the whole thing was organized practically without like staff right because the staff were barred from being in meetings like in person meetings because of covid and they couldn't go into the hospital because of covid so 
people were very pissed about how things have been going and they were talking to each other and we, and we organized that strike. They organized that strike on their own practically. Um, you know, it lined up, uh, they were off there, you know, they didn't have the no strike clause like operating at the time. And, um, and they pulled off like a pretty, like a uh, significant victory, um, from their one day strike. And it really, um, really, you know, like got them some big wins. Uh, but, and they didn't, they didn't need the union to do it for them. You know, the union yeah. was kind of like a facilitation tool rather than like the thing that got it done. I think that's the other thing is that there are people who think that like, it's all dependent on like having like this hero staffer sort of thing situation. And at, at the end of the day, like if it's not the workers doing it themselves, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. It's, yeah. Right. The, 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 the power, the power is with the working class itself. And if the working class doesn't use it, nothing will ever happen. Yeah. But if it does use it, I will trail off here. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. So John, is, is there any, place that you want people to find things that you do like yeah you're off I twitter to, i used to be off uh, on twitter um i periodically will show up on uh varn vlog which is uh see Derek varn's um vlog on youtube um there's uh, i recommend people uh listen to there's a group of podcasts called the emancipation network i i really like uh their stuff especially um there's uh what's it called general intellect unit which talks about like cybernetics and the left um they have a, a lot of particularly cool stuff that's just come out recently about um about strategy that i think is really important for everyone to understand um i was a founding member of the uh, libertarian socialist caucus at DSA, but I'm no longer in DSA. Uh, there's a, but that group is still kind of kicking around and we're coming up with new things. Uh, and then I guess like, um, the university of Chicago labor council is, uh, a group that I spend a lot of time with. And, uh, there's also tenants United Hyde Park Woodlawn, which is a tenant union that you helped set up. This and is we're true. Still I did. Too. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, go out there and you know don't don't listen to me or don't try and find follow me go like go figure shit out in your own neighborhood and yeah and set up a mil set up a million different you know like labor councils and worker committees and tenant yeah, unions and, yeah. you know like build build power that's why i think I, I sometimes we are afraid of the term power i think that power is at its best when it's everybody and so i guess i'd be my say is like go out yeah. there and build community and worker power and um, don't be afraid because fear is the one thing that they've got to wave over our heads. And sometimes you just got to take that jump and do the thing. And, uh, and that's how we're hopefully going to win one day. Yeah. Save and, the world. Yep. And you can do this just like all, all of these things, everything we've been talking about for the past, like two hours, these were all just done by ordinary people. Like there's, just, there's, just, it's, it's all, it's all done by random people. And you know, that random person can be you. You just have to go and do. Go do the thing. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> that this has been, it can happen here. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at happen here pod and also on Instagram there. And uh, yeah, there's other cool zone stuff. Oh, I guess. Yeah. We, we, there's, there's, there's a new show called Megacorp. That, that we have that's about how corporations are bad 
And the first season is about Amazon. It's out now. Uh, okay, maybe it just doesn't have a Twitter. But yeah, it's it's called Megacorp. You can find it wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Yes. Okay, bye. <laughs>